You are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. So the title of my message today is Seek Ye First, and uh, this is... uh, uh, our fasting theme, it's Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Uh, many years ago, when I was a pastor, a youth pastor in Calgary, they sent me down to L.A. And, uh, for a youth conference that was happening there, and I went to one of those mega bookstores, uh, uh, Christian bookstores. Like, we have Christian bookstores in Edmonton and this kind of stuff, but when you go to the, some of these stores in the States, it's just like you walk into a Costco of Christian I think uh, Ray calls it Jesus junk. You know, you walk into this store with just stuff everywhere, just like, man. And I'm looking through this store, and I'm just overwhelmed. There's just so much aisles and aisles and aisles of stuff. And, and I walk out, and I, and, and I, and I purchased a, a book by an author called Jensen Franklin, simply entitled Fasting. And, and when I went and saw my wife, I told her about it. And she's like, you went to this store that is absolutely massive, and you pick up a book titled Fasting. Like, what would draw you to that book? Was, was that the only thing on the shelves? I'm like, I don't know. I just really felt that this is the one that I should pick up. And I picked it up, and I actually shelved it uh, for a couple years. And then when I read that book, it really did change my life. See, I remember when, one time when, we, when I first graduated from school, I had an interview process with a, with a past, senior pastor and his wife. And one of the questions they asked is, do you fast? And I laughed. I said, no. <laughs> like fasting, why would I fast? Like we're with Jesus, it's all about feasting. And they didn't laugh, like you're not laughing now. And, and, and they walked in that place was just kind of like, like why, would we, why wouldn't you fast? I'm like, why would I fast? And then after that, it kind of challenged me and I started fasting and, and, and I would go without food for like a lunch and I would get wicked headaches and I'd be like, oh my goodness, like I'm gonna die. Like I am the worst faster ever and I'm just like, I just, I just guess I'm not meant to fast. And as I read that, I really understood the importance of going without food and the importance of prayer. And you know what? I, I learned because you don't know what's going on with your body. You don't know that, that, that all of a sudden that headache is maybe it's a, a withdrawal of sugar or withdrawal of caffeine. And, and, and you get that as it starts to come out of your system, your system craves it and it wants it. But when you say to your temple, you know what, temple, no, I'm going to seek the Lord first. and I want him more than anything else then God supernaturally does things, like I shared this morning with Gene. And I have so many stories of what God has just absolutely transformed and, and touched us in amazing ways. And, and, and God is so faithful when we take that time and just say, Lord, I want to put you first in my life. And this 2014, like Cindy was saying earlier, it's going to be different than 2013. We are going to, as a couple, as a family, we are going to seek you first, God. We are going to put our emphasis in our heart and our, and our faith in you, Lord. Now, fasting is important. It's so important. It's too important to miss. And every year I like to kick off the year with an extended fast, and here's why. Again, Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God above all else, and live righteously, and he'll give you everything you need. But this year, it's a little bit different. You know, this year, we really have that, that Second Chronicles 7.14, and that's why we're meeting at a.m. and p.m. to pray and seek his face and say, God, your word says 
that if my people will humble themselves, and fasting is an opportunity to humble ourselves, to come before the Lord and say, God, I give you everything. So if we humble ourselves, we come together, we pray, we seek his face, turn from our wicked ways, that he'll heal from heaven and he'll heal our, heal our land. You know what? I love our city, but it needs a healing. It needs a touch. God wants, got great plans and great things for this city, and I believe that his word is perfect. When we fast, God opens up doors for each one of us to share who he is. We're going to need to walk through trusting that he is leading us somewhere. So we as the body will need to be prepared. For the Bible says in Matthew 9, 37, the harvest is ripe, but the workers are few. Let me, let me just ask this morning, how many people have ever done a fast before? Praise the Lord. Have you ever found that when you go into that fast that all of a sudden things start getting difficult in your life? It's kind of like, oh, Lord, what is going on here? I'm, I'm spending the first part of the year fasting. Lord, it should be easy. Or you should, you're supposed to make this easy. Like, I'm, I'm seeking you, Lord, and yet I just feel like the attack is increasing. Well, I, I want you to know that fasting, the Bible tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities. So when all of a sudden we get into that fast, you know, sometimes things start happening in our lives. But when we push through, I guarantee you that there's something, there's a, there's a result on the other side of it. You know, I, I, how many times have you fasted? I, I, one of the books that I read from Jens, Jensen Franklin says that, you know, his wife went out to this Chinese buffet and they were doing a, uh, a Daniel fast of, of fruits and vegetables and they ordered a bunch of vegetables. And this is a place that they, they, they frequented and the chef brings out Szechuan beef on the house and says, you know what, this is for you guys. This is, this is, we just want to honor you for being good customers. It's kind of like, Lord. This has never happened before or since. Like, like, God, why does this kind of stuff happen? You know, Ray was saying that the first day that he decided to fast, they, they, in the military there, they brought in a, a Big Mac, uh, not Big Macs, the breakfast sandwiches from McDonald's, and said, here, I brought this in for all the guys. He's like, come on. You know, there's always going to be opportunities for you because the enemy is like, no, 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 no. I don't want you to be an on-fire Christian. I don't want you to be able to experience breakthrough in your life. I want you pressed down, crushed. I want you out of the way where there's no threat and no worries. But we serve a God who's bigger. We serve a God who is awesome. We serve El Shaddai, which we were singing about there earlier. God Almighty, that's our God. So why should we fast? We live in a busy world. Everyone's running around from here to there. It's time in this busyness to quiet our spirits and focus on the Lord. It's a gift to the church, an opportunity to humble ourselves, seek his face. It's an opportunity in the midst of chaos and business to say, Lord, I come. Fasting is something that not a lot of Christians talk about or really know about, yet it's so effective. It's in our tool, our arsenal to combat the enemy. Let's face it, we're Pentecostals and we're all about the feasting. But I promise you, every time I fast, I get closer to the Lord. And doors open for me uh, to, when I quiet my spirit and even become so busy. When we fast, we truly are praying without ceasing. For our spirits never sleep. And it's always in communication with the Lord. One thing I learned last year is fasting truly is a heart issue, isn't it? And Isaiah 58 is, I don't know if I'm going to read it this morning, but I'll read part of it. It's, it's the fasting chapter. It says, shout with a voice of triumph loud. Shout aloud. Don't be timid. Tell my people, Israel, of their sins. Yet the act so pious. 
They come to the temple every day and seem delighted to learn about me. They act like a righteous nation that would never abandon the Lord and the law of its God. They ask me to take action on their behalf, pretending they want to be near me. We have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? And it goes on because, see, the Lord knew their heart. God, come on, act. We've been fasting, Lord. We've been praying. Lord, do it. And the Lord's like, you know what? Who are you fooling? Why, why are you fasting? All you're doing right now is going hungry. Because I know your heart, and your heart has got those ulterior motives in it. Are you fasting just because it's like, Lord, I truly want to be closer to you, God. Lord, I want to press into your presence. But then as it goes on, it talks about, and we're going to talk about it a little bit today, it talks about some of the blessings that come with a true fast. So here this morning is three wrong reasons for fasting. First of all, I love Christmas. I love hanging out with friends and family and eating lots of food. And after Christmas and New Year's, the number one resolution is what? To go on a diet and lose weight. I put on Facebook this year, I said, you know what, my resolution is to lose weight on, on New Year's Day. And I said, I've only cheated on my diet twice so far. You know? We want to be able to drop a few pounds that we put on during Christmas. And if that is our heart's desire, then that's the wrong desire to be able to be fasting. It's also, it's proven medically healthy to fast, for it causes our digestive system to shut down and take a break. Again, that's a great reason to fast, but it's not the reason to be able to step into a fast. The third reason is not, not to fast is because your pastor told you to do it. Or you know what, someone else is doing it. It's kind of like, hey, i got to look spiritual, so I might as well tell people that I'm fasting, and I'll fast once here and, 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 and kind of do that. It really is a private thing. It's that thing where we can come before the Lord and say, God, I'm hungry for your spirit. Fasting is awesome, but if our hearts aren't right, we're just going without food. Zechariah 7.5 says, Ask all the people of the land and the priests, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth, seventh month for the past seven years, was it really for me that you fasted? It is so easy for fasting to become nothing more than a tradition. Communion to become a tradition. And my friends, when that happens, that is so sad. When we fast, it's got to be, Lord, make it fresh. Do something new in my life this year, God. Lord, take me someplace you've never taken me before. And that's why I really believe that the Lord has twinged our hearts to say, don't do what you've always done. But this year, 7.14 a.m., p.m., get together, pray, seek my face. Do you know what fasting does? It removes the flesh from the throne. Too often I think we can be selfish. It's hard living life making decisions and not doing it with selfish motives. Have you ever taken your family into the city? And when you take your family in the city, your kids say, Mom, Dad, we want to go to McDonald's. And it's like, why would you want to go to McDonald's? Like, we've got a McDonald's in Cold Lake. Let's go someplace else. And we say, you know, absolutely not. We're not going to do that. And you, you tell them whatever reason. I wonder if that's a selfish motive. Because it's kind of like, I don't want McDonald's. I've had it. I don't want to do it. Or if it's like, I wonder if all of a sudden that craving for a Big Mac came up and the kids said, hey, Dad, let's go to McDonald's. You'd be like, absolutely. The Big Mac's calling. You know, what is our motives behind things? 1 Corinthians 10.7 says, Do not be idolaters, as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. 
Philippians 3.19 says, their destinies is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. When you fast, cast the vision before the Lord. Write it down. Man, we forget, don't we? It's so important to write down, write, write things down. It's so important, if, I don't know if you do it or not, but to have a blessings, a blessings journal. You know, because sometimes the Lord does something that is so small that we don't even really recognize. You know, like, if, if someone came up and gave you 100 bucks after the service, you know, I just really feel the Lord wanted to do that, it'd be like, wow, that's awesome, praise the Lord. But if all of a sudden your car breaks down and someone says, hey, you know what, I have an extra car, why don't you use that? Well, you multiply that and say, well, to rent a car, that would have cost me 115 bucks, 130 bucks a day, and the Lord has just provided by somebody giving what they have. God is awesome. Do you know that you're a child of God? Do you know that your heavenly Father likes giving gifts? Do you know that he wants to bless you? I think there's a mindset that, that many have that, yes, God loves me, but he thinks, uh, he thinks uh, the things that he have are for people who are more spiritual than I am. Stop that. He's crazy about you. Matthew 7, 7 says, and ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you, of your sons, asked for bread, would give them a stone? Or he asked for a fish, you'd give him a snake? If you then thought you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? I remember, you're trying to be a dad, you, you don't want to spoil your kids, and you want to have that balance in their life. And I remember as a dad, I, I, I try to teach my kids, and, and to whenever they get money, that it goes into their piggy bank, and then once a month or whatever, we will count up their money in the piggy bank, and it goes from the piggy bank into three separate jars. And it goes, 10% is their tithe, and that goes to the Lord. 40% is for them to spend on whatever they want, and 50% is to go into their bank account. And, and we've had that established since they were all little. And a couple years ago, we took our, our family to Disney, and when we took them to Disney, I said, okay, guys, in a year, we're going to Disneyland. So you guys want to start saving up your money so when you get your money to spend, you can either go and spend it on bubble gum or do whatever you want to do, or you can save it for when we go to Disneyland, then when something you see that you like, you can be able to buy it. Now, that's a good dad, I think, you know, trying to teach them about stewardship and teach them on this kind of stuff. And I'm like, when we go to Disneyland, things are expensive there, and dad's not going to be buying you stuff. You know what? You guys have a long time to be able to save. You guys are making some money here. Let's, let's be good stewards. So then we did that, and then we went over there, and then my daughter Mackenzie was so interested in, Lucas wanted to do the rides, and Mackenzie wanted to see the characters. And the character who was the number one character, the longest line that we stood up for that day, was to see Rapunzel, and she wanted to see Rapunzel. So as we're waiting in line for like 45 minutes to see this, this Rapunzel, this little girl comes out, and she's wearing a Rapunzel wig. And she looks so cute. And she just kind of walks by and she's like, you know, smiles. And I'm just kind of like, that is amazing. I'm like, where did you get that wig? And she goes, oh, I got it. Wait. I'm like, I'll be right back. And I run. And I, I, I go to this boutique, which is like an hour away from the Rapunzel lineup. I run. I, I go to the, into the boutique. I'm like, that Rapunzel wig. I'm like, how much is it? She's like, it's like 30 bucks. I'm like, 30 bucks US? That's crazy. I'll take it. And I bought it. 
And I went running back, and I met her in line. I'm like, here, put this on for the picture. She's like, oh, thanks, Dad. And I totally blew what I wanted to, do, what I wanted to establish. Why? Because I'm a dad, and I'm a sucker. And all of a sudden, you see this little girl walk. It's kind of like, well, I want my little girl to be able to do that too. We need to be seeking the Lord and say, God, how can I be part of this 21-day prayer and fast? And you know what? This morning, here are seven fasts that we can be able to enter into as a congregation. First of all, the Esther fast. It's found in Esther 4, and it says, Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day, and I, my attendant, will fast as you do. When this is done, I will give you the king, even though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. This is a very difficult fast. I would say it's probably, I've done a 40-day fast with, without food, and I would say this is the hardest fast to do. Why? Because there's no food or water for three days. Um, if the Lord calls you into this fast, like whatever fast the Lord calls you to, if you've never fasted before, Make sure that you seek your doctor, and, and, uh, and again, it's not like, well, I I'm, I'm, I'm fasted because pastor told me to, but, but when you sit in that place, go to the doctor and say, hey, listen, I believe that the Lord's calling me to this, and I want to step into the fast and get his, his, his permission and that, that kind of stuff first. But the, the people in Esther's day there were in a crisis, and this three-day fast is for, for trouble, for crisis. Are you in trouble? Is the enemy hard after your kids, your finances, your family? We can see that there are signs and times, and we know that God is going to do great things. But sometimes things get bad, and sometimes when things get bad, we need to press in and seek his face and say, Lord, there's an attack on my family, and Lord, I just want to come before you for help. When trouble comes, we as believers don't fall down and collapse. We don't run and hide. We say, devil, you think you're going to bring a crisis against me? The Bible says what the enemy is meant for evil that God will use for good. So get behind me, Satan. This crisis is, is, that is in my life will become a blessing. You know a common sentence that we hear that is such a lie from the enemy? is I'm fighting a losing battle. I hate that. You know, pastor, I'm fighting a losing battle. No, you're not. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. I've read the Bible. At the end, we win. And we have to understand that, that God and Satan are not on equal levels. It's kind of like well, you're the yin and the yang of, of the world. God is up here. The devil is somewhere down here. In fact, in Revelations, it tells us at the end that he's going to be revealed as this, this weak little thing. And it'll be like, seriously, this is the guy that gave us all the problems? We have to be able to take that stand and say, Lord, I when crisis comes, God, I'm not going to be pushed over. But Lord, I'm going to push through in Jesus' name. Give us, God, give us a chance in the midst of crisis. Acts 9, Paul fasted for three days when he was blind. People were trying to kill him, yet the Lord revealed him and set him free. Are you in crisis? Have you found yourself losing sleep because of anxiety or worry? We don't need man's opinions in time of crisis. We need God's assurance. We need to be carriers of peace. And I'm telling you, that will open up so many doors for times of ministry. Why? Because we live in a world without peace. And when all of a sudden your friends and your neighbors know what you're going through, but yet sense the peace in you, they'll be like, how are you able to do that? You're so strong. No, I'm not strong. God is strong. And God is carrying me through this time right now. 
and I trust that God is able to press through in my situation. The next one is the Daniel fast. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat, no wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. A three weeks fast is a series of three sevens, which is God's perfect number of completion. This fast is known as the Daniel fast, and it consists of no bread, no pasta, no meat, only fruits, vegetables, and water. You know, some people are like, oh, that's easy. I can do no fruits. I can do only fruits and vegetables for three, uh, for three weeks. It is hard. You know, because what happens is all of a sudden, you can eat all the salad you want and be stuffed on salad, but there's, you don't feel satisfied. You know, it's, I don't know what it's, if it's the sugar or if it's the meat, but it's kind of like, man, I'm so full, but I'm just feeling, ah, you've done it? The reason why is we need to press into prayer. It's, it's not kind of like, okay, I know, I, I know how to get a loophole around this fasting thing. I'll do the Daniel fast while I'm still eating. And, uh, and then I, but I won't do, uh, focus on the prayer side of it. I'll just do that because that's still a fast. No, press into the prayer. Press into seeking the face of the Lord and saying, God, I'm abstaining from this because, Lord, I need you. And then an angel came 21 days to Daniel, and he came to bring an understanding to the vision that Daniel received. You know, God has a plan for everyone in this room. He has given you promises and destinies. It is waiting for you there for your family to step into. And the 21-day fast is for clarity direction, and a focus of vision. Do you find that in your life you need vision for your family? Do you need direction? Then you know what? Maybe the Daniel fast is for you. We don't serve or worship a dead God. He's alive, and he's wanting relationship with you. He's wanting to show you things, speak into your spirit. But too often we dismiss this as pointless daydreaming. He has keys to your situation. His desire is to release you into a whole new world of freedom. Habakkuk 2 says, wait for the vision, for it surely come to pass. Fasting puts you in the best possible place for breakthrough. 2 Samuel 5 says, God is a God of breakthrough, but we position ourselves through prayer and fasting to receive the breakthrough. This 21-day fast gives us understanding of the vision. You know, I don't know about you, but sometimes it's just kind of like, Lord, like what's going on right now? God, I just feel like, your mind is just running rampant. Just, it's going crazy. It's just kind of like, Lord, would you just bring forth a peace and just show me direction? Show me which way we're going. Help me not to be, uh, to, to, to kind of go through life like this. But Lord, help me to be laser pin fo- focused. Maybe this is the prayer and fast for you. The next one is the one day fast. Leviticus says, be careful to celebrate the Day of Atonement. On the tenth day of that same month, nine days after the Festival of Trumpets, you must observe it is an official day for a holy assembly, a day to deny yourself and present spiritual gifts to the Lord. I know what you're thinking. The one-day fast, sign me up. That one's for me. 21 days, forget it. But one day, I can do one day. Jeremiah 36, 6 says, you go there and read from the scroll which you have which you have written in my instructions, the words of the Lord, in hearing of the people in the Lord's house on the day of fasting, and you shall also read them the hearing of Judah who came from their cities. When you do this fast, what you're doing is basically a spiritual checkup. Lord, how's my life? God, is there anything in my heart, Lord, that is not good, Lord? Is there anything that is there that is not appealing to you? You know, I've shared with the congregation before that one of the things that I've always struggled with is, is, is my temper. Man, I can, I can have a temper sometimes. And the Lord has really been working on that. And, and man, 
it's been night and day difference from where it was when we first got married. Wouldn't you, do you agree with that? Amen. But I, I don't know what it was. It'd be just like something would happen. The switch would just kind of go and boom, you're into fight mode. And, and, and it's kind of like, okay, Lord. Like when we do things on our own strength, we use willpower. And when we use willpower, eventually we're going to fall and it's going to, it's going to uh, erupt. And I remember Cindy and I, we were in an argument a few years back, and she said to me something like, Lance, you just get, how do you get so angry so quickly? And I'm like, you know what, Cindy, I hate it too. And for Cindy, that was a light bulb moment where she's like, oh, you know what, he doesn't do it because he's just being a jerk. He does it because there's a problem in his life. And instead of me coming against him, and, and being the wife who's nagging at him and, 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 and coming against him uh, on that anger thing, why don't I partner with him and start praying for him? And you know what? As we did that together and we faced that as a, as a couple, the Lord broke that. And it was so powerful. But every once in a while, something will just kind of creep back in there. I remember, uh, again, we, we, we talked about that Disney time when we went to Disney. We went to Disney that year uh, with Sydney's uh, brother, Graham and uh, his family, and we're off the park, and, and Graham's like, well, I'm going to follow you. And I'm like, well, we're going on a, high, on a freeway. you got to be right on my bumper, and you got to follow me well. So as we're driving, he's just sort of dawdling back and dawdling back. I'm like, dude, why can't you get this through your head? Like, I got his daughter in my car, because she's like, can I go with Uncle Lance? Sure. And, and when, when she went there, uh, she got in the car. We didn't have a ticket for her to get into the park. And we had it all. You guys know what Ride Max is? Ride Max is this computer program that you tell it what rides you want to do, and you tell it what time you're going to get to the park, and it plans out your day where it's kind of like, okay, statistically, this is the busiest ride. Hit that first, then do this, then do this, then do that. It, it, it all works out, so it's like, okay, you can do everything that you want to do in half the time. So I'm like, this is awesome. So we went, and Graham and I, we worked, and we, we did this Ride Max thing and got it all planned out, and then as we're driving, he's getting farther and farther behind. I'm like, oh, man, this isn't good. And all of a sudden, I take my off-ramp, and he takes another, the other off-ramp, and he's on, on the way to San Diego. I'm like, where are you going? So I'm like, oh, my goodness. And as I'm looking at, I'm like, I'm driving on the off-ramp. We kind of go like this. I'm looking at him like, this is going to go against Ride Max because there's no way that we're going to be able to do this on time. So, so we go to the park. And I said to Cindy, I said, you know what, what are we going to do? Like, we got a, the daughter, his daughter in our, in our vehicle. Ride Max says we have to be at the first ride at 9 a.m. It is now 8.45. We got 15 minutes to get there. She's like, well, we'll just have to let it go. I'm like, we can't, we can't let it go. How do we let it go? So I said, well, like, how are we going to even meet Graham here? Like, this place is huge. And I'm like, there's two parking lots that he can go in. There's, there's one on the east side, and there's one on the west side. And I don't know which way he's going to come. I have no idea where he's going to go and how we're going to meet up with him. She says, well, why don't you go down to one, and I'll go down the other. And, and, and I don't know, again, if you've ever been there, but it's probably a, like a half a kilometer between the two en entrances. So you go to one, I'll go to the other, and then when we come, come in, if he comes in, we'll see him, and then we'll meet up somewhere. I'm like, okay, sounds good. So she went to her door, and I went down to my door, and I'm waiting for Graham. And as I'm sitting down there, I'm like, oh, no. We said we'd meet somewhere, but that doesn't really give clear direction, like, where we're going to meet. Like, what happens if Graham is with her right now, 
and and I'm standing here, and I'm supposed to go to her. Like, is she going to come to me? Am I going to go to her? I'm like, I have no idea. So I ran, and I'm looking the whole, going through people. I'm looking, scanning the audience. Just she's she's walking this way, and I run all the way down to her entrance. So I I run over here, and I'm like. Oh my word, I'm out of shape. And, I, and I'm like, I'm looking and all of a sudden I can't find Cindy. I'm like, oh no, she met Graham and she went to meet me. So I'm like, I better get back there because she won't be able to find me. So I ran all the way back over here. I ran over here and as I ran over here, she's not there. And I'm like, now that's a kilometer. I'm like, and she's not here. I'm like, where in the world could she be? I'm like, maybe she's back on the other side. So I ran back to the other side. True story. I ran back to the other side, and she's not there. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. She is somewhere in the parking lot. We said we'd meet somewhere. We are now 15, 20 minutes past our ride max time. We are so hooped. So I'm like, I'll go back to my station. So I ran back over here, and I couldn't find her. And I'm just like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. And I felt like that, like, like maybe I should go to that lost child place, and, and Cindy will find me there. And I'm looking around, and I can't find her. And guess what? Now I'm getting mad. Who wouldn't get, who would get mad? Thank you. So I run back. Oh, yes, another half a kilometer. I run back to the other side, and I can't find them anywhere. And I'm scanning the whole, the whole place. I'm scanning the whole situation. And all of a sudden, I see Cindy. She's strolling into the park with a cup of coffee in her hand. And I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, well, I just wanted a coffee, so I thought I'd go get a coffee while I was waiting for Graham. I'm like, that wasn't part of the plan. And she's like, well, have you found him? I'm like, no, but you didn't man your post. And so maybe he's in here looking for us, and we got the daughter, and now we're like way off of our schedule. And she's just like, just relax, just chill out. I'm happy I got my cup of java. There was a scene that day at D Disneyland. It is not the happiest place on earth on that day, I tell you that, right now. And then all of a sudden, Graham comes sauntering in about three minutes later. It's kind of like, oh, Graham, I just want to shoot you dead. That one-day fast exposes things that are still in our hearts and says, are you willing to give this up and give it to me? Because I want everything from you. God is so awesome. He's so gentle. He's so patient. And maybe, you know what, maybe you don't struggle with anger. Maybe it's something else. But whatever that is, when we say, Lord, I give you my heart, God totally takes it and starts to work on us and starts to say, you know what, son, daughter, I've got something better for you. Will you take it? The next fast is the battle fast. Judges 20.18 says, Before the battle, the Israelites went to Bethel and asked God, which tribe should go first to attack the people of Benjamin? See, here we have a chapter where the Israelites were fighting the people of Benjamin. They sought the Lord. They asked who should go first. He told them. And they went out, and they were destroyed. They fell back, stood before the Lord, and again asked, Lord, should we now go? God answered, yes. So they went again, and again they lost the battle. This, uh, this time, 18,000 more men were killed. 40,000 people in two days were lost. They said, Lord, should we go do this? And the Lord's like, yes, go. And they go and they lose. And then the next day they go and they lose again. It's kind of like, Lord, 
You told us to go. So what happened? They sought God. God said go, and they died. Then in verse 26, we read the key here. Then all the Israelites went up to Bethel. They wept in the presence of the Lord, and they fasted until the evening. They also brought burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. The Israelites went up seeking direction from the Lord. The Israelites asked the Lord, should we fight against our relatives from Benjamin again, or should we stop? The Lord said, go tomorrow, and I'll hand them over to you. See, when we go into a battle, we have to go battle ready. There's a scripture that Jesus uses where the, uh, where the um, disciples couldn't cast out a demon. And they said, why couldn't we do this? And he says, you know what, this one only comes out through prayer and fasting. If we're not filled up with the Spirit, there's times that is going to bring frustration to our life because we're going to wrestle with something that we cannot overcome. And fasting will allow us to overcome anything, to be able to walk in that place where it's like, God, greater is he, God. Greater is he that is in me. In our intercessory training course, we teach the intercessors to make sure that they have no dents in their armor, offense, bitterness, anything, before they enter into the le- that level of pl- prayer. It is the same in battle. Never enter without fasting and seeking the presence of the Lord. We must remember that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities, and the enemy is like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. There is a war happening for your life, your family, and your city, but take heart, for greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. A fast for the lost. This is such a cool story. It's found in uh, 1 Kings 21. It's about Ahab. Ahab was uh, Jezebel's husband. And Ahab was extremely wicked. A prophet said to him in verse 19, this is what the Lord says. Wasn't it enough that you killed Naboth? Must you rob him too? Because you have done this. Dogs will lick your blood at the very place where they lick the blood of Naboth. Now, some people know right and wrong, but they choose to walk into wrong anyways. They know what the Word says. They know what God has for them, but they choose to say, you know what? I don't care what the Word says. I know the foundation, but I'm going to live for myself anyways. When we start to step into that place, that's a very dangerous place to be. And the prophet comes up. That was the Word of the Lord back at the time. He comes up and says, you know what? The Lord is done with you. He's going to kill you here in this place. And then what does Ahab do? He starts to pray and fast. He puts ashes on him, and he seeks the face of the Lord. And the Lord goes, and he lifts judgment off him and says, you know what? Because Ahab, the wicked king, did that, I'm not going to do what I said I would do. And he lifts judgment off of him. It's still coming. It's, it, it, it's going to be upon his family. But yet the judgment has been lifted off of Ahab. Do you know someone who has been living wrongly, and they know better? Do you know, we can't stand in that place and say, Lord, forgive their sins, and, and they'll, they'll be, get access into heaven. That's not possible. But we can pray and fast for them that the Lord would just give them another chance, that the Lord would just lift judgment off their life. How many people in this room know somebody like that, know somebody who knows right from wrong, but are still walking in the, in the place of wrongness? Wow. Lord, for every hand that was raised in this place, that represents one soul, God. And Lord, I just pray, God, that Lord, that you would go to them right now, Lord. We are in charge of angels. Would you send ministering angels to them, Lord, and show them the love of Christ? God, even though they choose to walk wrongly, even though they choose to walk in sin, 
Father God, would you lift judgment off them? Would you send people to be able to love them? Would you just soften their hearts, God, so they can come to that place and accept you as Lord and Savior? God, you are so gracious. And your word says that you're not slow in returning, but you're giving everybody a chance to be able to accept you. Father God, would you touch every single person who, who had that someone in their heart and someone in their head, would you go and minister to them now in the name of Jesus? Amen. Second Peter 3, 9 says, the, um, I, I just said that, that's, the Lord isn't slow about his promise. As some people think, no, he's patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. That's our God. A God who desires to have fellowship with mankind, to see people pull out of darkness and step into his marvelous light. The next uh, fast is the fast for health. Isaiah 58, again, the fasting chapter says, some of you are thinking, uh, uh, it says, uh, then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. Some of you are thinking, man, if I fast, I'm going to get sick. Well, you may get that headache. You might find yourself uh, needing strength, especially if you go longer than three days. I've always said to the teens that I work with in my life that anything in life that, that is worth it is usually not easy. Remember, there is health in fasting. And pray your health will spring forth. There will be healing during this corporate fast. You know what? Again, if there's, if there's health issues in your life, as a congregation, one of the days that we're praying for, we're praying for health, we're praying for healing, that God would just set people free. You know the Lord's desire is to heal? I still believe this very much, that healing is for today. I've seen it. I've experienced it. Your sickness in your body, I don't accept it, but press in and seek him, for he is the author of life. I love the end of Isaiah 15, 26. It says, I am the Lord that healeth thee. God is awesome. And the last one that I want to talk about today is the 40-day fast. Team, would you come? One of our goals here at CLCC is to be an equipping center. For us as parents to learn principles to better equip you for life in your family. Isaiah 58, 12 says, again, being the fasting chapter, you shall rise up the foundation of many generations. Parents, Ezra 58.12 says, And I proclaim a fast there at the river Ahava that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him the right way for us and our little ones and all our possessions. As parents, we want our children to be able to grow up as men and women of God, don't we? And as parents, we need to be able to leave that foundation of godliness, to be able to teach our kids. You know, my kids, Lucas said to me the other day, he goes, Dad, you know what? I'm going to join in the fast this, this year. And I'm like, son, I, I don't, he's not old enough yet to go without food. But last year they went in that place and they said, okay, well, if we can't go without food, then, Dad, we're going to fast sugar for 21 days. I'm like, awesome. Do it. Mackenzie is a sugar addict. She loves anything candy. You ever see Elf? The four food groups is like candy canes, candy corns, syrup. That's Mackenzie. It's like, I need to eat candy. But yet, to take that place and say, you know what? You need to fast, and you need to pray, and you need to seek the Lord. What a great opportunity. As parents, it's our job to be able to equip our kids with the keys that the Lord has given us to be able to open up doorways in their life. And I just wanted to close this morning with an opportunity for every single dad in this place. Would you stand if you're a dad? Guys, we're the priests of the homes. 
And the Lord has called us to this place that is, it's difficult. And I know some of you guys work really demanding jobs with demanding schedules, and fasting is incredibly difficult because of what you do. But when we say, Lord, I know you're calling me to this, God. Lord, would you show me how I can participate in this fast, God? Would you show me, God, how I can prepare my family and my kids? God, would you show me how to be that dad that you're calling me to be? You know, most of us in this room, not all of us, but most of us in this room, our kids are still little. And there's that fear that goes on that says, you know what, as my kids every year get older and older and older, I know that that place of teen is coming. And I'm, if I'm honest with myself, I'm terrified of that. Rebellion is a choice. It doesn't have to happen to your family. You know what? I have seen families with teenagers walk through without scar, walk through in just an amazing Christian family. And what I'm saying is don't fear something that hasn't happened, but walk in that place where we teach and we equip and we raise up our children how the Lord is teaching us to do it. You know, the Bible says that the word of God will not return void. That as you invest, it's guaranteed that there is a return. And when we stand in that place and we just say, Lord, we give you our families. And God, would you help me at key pivotal moments in my children's lives to be able to be a dad and speak truth into their spirits? It's powerful. And moms... Again, I'm not wanting to paint a picture that is not truth. And I know some of the moms are working and some of the dads stay home, but typically the moms are the ones who are with the children mostly. I want to bless you guys. Moms, what an amazing responsibility you guys have to mold and shape. And you know what? Sometimes your job is really without thanks. So this morning, I just wanted to take a few minutes and just to say, moms, we love you. We honor you, and we thank you for all the hard work that you've done and that you do. But moms, I'm just really asking today that if you're here with your man, would you mind just placing your hand upon him and praying as the team leads, however the Lord leads you to pray for strength for your husband, to pray for wisdom, and to pray for your family, that as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. That is my heart's desire, is that every single person in this place, whether you're going through an amazing time right now, or whether you're walking through the trenches right now, that God would be lifted up, and we, as God is lifted up, he would draw our families deep into his presence. He is the El Shaddai. He is the Lord God Almighty. And whatever you're facing at this very moment, it is nothing more than a circumstance. But God is able to break through, and God is able to do greater things in your life and greater things in your family, in Jesus' name. So as we worship the Lord, 
Let's just take a few moments and pray for one another. Take a few moments and just to say, God, would you give me direction, Lord, for this fast coming, Lord, on Saturday? Would you help me, Lord Jesus, to be able to stand in that place and be the man and the woman that God has called me to be to, together that we can walk through and accomplish great things in Jesus' name. Lord bless you. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Holy Community Church, a place where families come together.